The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 122. The short story at the end of the episode is from 25 Perfect Days plus five more. That story is 22 Pine Avenue. A real fun one. A lot of people die. But before all that, we have a very special guest. Uh, this is my hypnotist that I talked about last week. I wrote about it in my newsletter, Alexandra Colner from Lifecraft Hypnosis. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, this, this is super cool. We just got done with, was it our third session? I believe yes, it was. Yes, right? yes. Yeah, so we've been doing that once a week. I decided to give it a shot. I, I did hypnosis once before, but it was like a past life regression. I uh, wasn't really thrilled. I definitely was hypnotized, but I wasn't a big, you know, I, I didn't really believe it so much because right. I have a very good imagination. I was like, this could just be me making this story up and whatever else. And then I never thought about doing hypnosis again until someone mentioned it, decided to give it a try. And it seemed very effective. Um, I was really happy with it. The first thing we worked on was uh, eating and my commitment. Like I have a very good uh, discipline to do short-term things, but I realized I was just falling into the same patterns over and over. And so yeah, that's what you and I were working on. Um, but before we go into my stuff, let's. I'd like to find out more about you, uh, who you are, why you got into this field, hypnosis, and if you had done any kind of personal development work uh, prior to hypnosis. Okay, great. Yeah, um, well, about 15 years ago, my husband walked out on me really unexpectedly. So it threw my whole life into a loop and I had no idea what to do. And I started meditating and learning and doing all this stuff and it was very helpful. It was wonderful. But I met this woman I'm condensing the story because it was over years. So I met this woman and, you know, would be in therapy and do things. And she would say, well, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to have self-esteem. And I was like, duh, but it's not there. I mean, I want to believe, but there's an inkling of self-doubt or, you know, and then I, I would, she said something about, well, you can't say that. You can't talk to yourself like that. You can't, those messages get in there. So one day I was in a bookstore and I was struggling with how to develop proper beliefs so that you hear of these really successful people. They believed in themselves. They, be, you know, and I was like, okay, I just don't have it. And I saw this book, how to talk to yourself or what to say when you talk to yourself, devoured it. Uh, called Dr. Helmstetter on my own, tracked him down, the writer of the book, and started studying with him. And I thought, I'm going to do the weight as well, because you can't lie. Either you lose weight or you don't. You can mm -hmm. pretend to be happy, whatever, but you can't pretend not to be fat. So <laughs> I started doing it. And within a month, my eating habits changed without me realizing it. And no diet. And I went, oh, there's something to this. Then I wanted to work with people, but I couldn't get them to listen to tapes. Didn't want to, they were bored. So I started talk. I was talking to somebody and they said, have you ever thought of hypnosis? And I was like, 
no. You know, and I had the same vision everyone else, you know, a pendulum, you're going to walk with your arms out in front of you and rob a bank for somebody. And they were like, no, clinical hypnosis. So I started getting hypnotized and the transformation between the self-talk and the hypnosis together, I'm talking within a week, things would be different. And I study, I do transcendental meditation, I do um, chanting, Buddhist chanting, but I would always be hoping when I'd be chanting, I'd be like, let me believe this or help me to get my confidence. Once I did the hypnosis, I was just going in there laser focused with what I needed and wanted. And I was like, wow. So I thought I got to help other people do this. This is this is magic. It's not, but it feels like it. So I started studying with a really renowned hypnosis teachers that had been doing it over 30 years because I looked into it and there's, you know, you can get a degree online or a certificate for $20. And I was like, no, I want to really learn. So I joined the National Guild of Hypnotists. I studied with Don Martin, who's the vice president, one of the most successful hypnotists in the country. And then I got certified when I moved to Florida once again with Dr. Melanie Smith, who is also, uh, she's a clinical psychologist. She does it and she also uses hypnosis. So, and she's still a mentor of mine that you know, anything I might not know 15 years, she knows after 30, 40 years. So um, I did that and it's just taken off and it's just the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It's it's to watch pe people have called me crying and gone. I couldn't get over the abuse I went through. I don't even think about it anymore. You know, I do this or that and I'm it. it's miraculous. It's just wonderful if you're open to it. That's awesome. And I think then uh, that's super powerful to hear your experience. And I think that's when um, and that's how it is, like with my traumatic brain injury book. I know what helped me. I know what's made me feel better. And so now I'm passionate about sharing that right. you know, like getting it out there. So that's really cool about that. And that's why I've been telling my friends about the hypnosis and why I wanted to talk to you on this. so I could send them this link. Be like, hey, just check it out. Give it a shot. Um, what do you think? You already mentioned a couple of them. But yeah, what does the general population think about hypnosis? What do you think the major, um, what causes the most hesitation for someone to attempt it? And like with me, I wasn't even, it wasn't on my radar, you know, I right. wasn't thinking about it, but even when it came up, I was like, that is a little bit scary because you're kind of, it feels like you're giving control to another person. Absolutely. People have misconceptions. And unfortunately, I mean, I'm a, I lived in uh, Los Angeles all my life up until, you know, recently. So I'm, I'm a California girl and I understand the movie industry and love it, but they really did a lot of damage to hypnosis. It's always in the movies where you're giving up your free will. You're in an altered state of mind and not a pleasantly altered state of mind. Uh, people are afraid they'll give up secrets that I can ask them things and they'll tell me things they don't want me to know. Absolutely not true. People are afraid they're in an altered state of mind and will do something they won't do. Impossible. Now, um, and what is, and they, they, a lot of people think it's very, um, 
woohoo, you know, and like mm -hmm. make believe, even though it is, it, there's science, it's scientific. It's not a new age technique that somebody made up. You know, it's been mm -hmm. since the Egyptians, they've been doing hypnosis. They just called them sleep chambers. And okay. um, so you're talking thousands of years. So what I have to do is assure people that you are in an altered state of consciousness, but you're not unconscious. And the best thing I can tell somebody is if you've ever been driving, you're on the freeway, highway, a road, whatever, you're so engrossed in your head or in the scenery, you're going down PCH or something, you all of a sudden are at your destination or you pass it and didn't even realize that is a pure state of hypnosis. But you realize if a car had cut in front of you, you could have slammed on the brakes. You know where you're going. You can obey traffic laws. It's a heightened focus state of awareness where your subconscious has taken over your conscious, but you're, you're hyper aware. So that's one reason hypnosis works so well is I can do things and give you a story out here and your conscious mind is listening to my whatever I'm saying and painting a little picture for you, but I'm also trained to in this story, talking to your subconscious while your conscious mind is occupied. Your conscious mind was occupied maybe with thinking about things and your subconscious was driving. You knew yeah. what you were. So when I get in there and I say for weight loss, you know, now you, you know, you, the fatty foods and the sugar, and it's just kind of disgusting and it's sickly sweet. Now you don't, these things are being wired into with actually with your synapses, they are changing. You know how someone usually a jerk, you'll say, why do you do that? And they say, I'm just wired like that. It's true. You mm -hmm. are wired from birth and you create neural pathways, literally. And so let's say um, I get triggered by certain things. My boyfriend and I, when we got together, we had to work it out because I would do or say something like his father and it would trigger him. And I didn't, he would do something. Be My mom always did that and it would trigger me. Well, we started, you start to pave over those pathways and create new neural pathways that are healthy and positive. And it's very much like learning a new language with the self-talk and the hypnosis. It's repetition, repetition. You don't just go somewhere and learn Spanish. You have to hear it. You have to hear it. It has to, you have to understand baño means bathroom. And, and there's only one way to, to retrain your brain. And that is with self-talk and hypnosis. It, it, it just is. Or you can go to talk therapy for 600 sessions where hypnosis and self-talk would take you six. Mm -hmm. And I also believe I'm, I'm very pro talk therapy to find out what the issues are. But once you find out and you keep going and talking about it, you're, re, you're strengthening those negative neural pathways negativity is just as power you get worry is like a prayer for something you don't want so when you're talking about it and my mom did this my husband did you're boom boom that neural pathway is getting paved over paved over i'm for we know the problem now we know what we should do about it let's get in there and change how we look at it
and mm. give you those tools so you think about it different. And it's it's a wonder. I mean, my mentor, she does hypnobirthing and people, they have babies with no anesthesia. Um, she does dentistry for people who can't use anesthesia. They feel no pain. I mean, when I first saw that, I was like, wow, it's true. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's amazing. Your mind is amazing. That's cool. Um, allow it if you will use it in this way and not be afraid. And and as you know, in our sessions, if I told you, okay, I need you to go rob a bank and send it, it's not in your character. You would come out of it. You'd be startled. Mm -hmm. You'd be you'd come out. But on the other hand, if I was talking to a convict in prison who was like that he might do it if it is in mm -hmm. his will. So hypnosis is powerful and you want to go to somebody who's trained and ethical and has an office and, you know, or does, I mean, I do Zoom because of COVID, but you want to know who you're getting hypnosis from. They should, in my opinion, be a member of a guild or an organization. They should study every year, you know, so it just like with anything, you can go to a bad dentist or doctor. I mean, right that would be something I would find out what this person, their training has been. Yeah, that makes sense, 100%. Um, that's one thing I was surprised about was being able to do it uh, remote. And I think that's super cool. Now it makes complete sense. You know, I'm just having to hear you. You get to see if I'm breathing and eyes closed and all that stuff. Uh, was that difficult at first? Did you think that was gonna be an issue for you when you had to start going remote? I did. I was like, ah, and then I thought, relax. You're making it, you know, same thing I tell my clients, you're making a problem that's not there yet. If they only have to hear my voice and mm. I only have to see their chest and face to see the breathing patterns and the eye flutter. And if I give them any idiomotor responses, are they responding to it? Why not? What's the difference? And the only thing that I ever worry about now is that the person I'm doing it with can be in a quiet space without dogs barking, kids walking in, wives wanting to know where the ketchup is, you know, cause that won't work and gardeners coming by. But otherwise I'm actually finding it works a little better than even mm -hmm. people coming into my office. They feel safe, they feel relaxed, they feel comfortable and they don't have to travel and I'm loving it. Yeah, the the today was the best for me regarding the safety because the first time my kids were downstairs, my wife was in the office, the cats were around. Uh, so I kept worrying, you know, is someone going to open that door? Even though I told them not to, I put stuff in front of the door. Still right, had right. of like, So that was in the back of my head. It was still a great session, but that was there. Last week, I heard one of the cats kept hitting the door. And like, so it, it drew me out a tiny bit, but you had already warned me about noises. And so I was able just to let it go and right. stay with it. Uh, but today was nice and relaxing. Kids are gone. Uh, put, I locked up the cat. So I knew no one was going to come in. It felt very safe. I was able to completely relax. Perfect. Um, and I do something and it's called in, in the profession, it's called noise patter. And I put it in your head. If you hear any noises, 
for me, besides the sound of my, it only makes you feel safer, more mm -hmm. relaxed, and you go deeper with every sound that used to be a distraction. So I, you know, we, we know that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. horns are going to honk outside an office building, you know, yeah. And I, and I do remember hearing that, uh, you, you saying that and giving me that, um, going back to something you said about how people say that they are, well, that's just the way I am. I'm wired like that. That that's one of my biggest pet peeves. That's one of the things that just drives me nuts because it's not taking any kind of responsibilities. Like, yeah, you know, you're that way, but if you don't like it, you can change it, you know, and, right. and just getting people to understand that you can change your behavior. And if you don't like it, you should change your behavior. And it might take a lot of work. You know, I think a lot of people don't want to do that initial thing too, to really figure out what their triggers are. You know, they don't want to know. A lot of people don't want to look at themselves. You know, they, 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 they might want to feel happier or whatever else, but I, I think they do very little, you know, self-reflection and accountability. Right. Um, oh, that's so true. I had a client a while back and he came to me, younger guy came to me and I said, so what's going on? And he said, I want you to turn me into like a ladies man. I want to be a stud. And then I said, well, if there is a problem, I do have methods for, you know, different physical problems that you might have, but I need to know a little more. And he was like, yeah, I just, I want to just attract beautiful people and beautiful. And I was like, this is not magic. I'm not casting spells, you know? And I told him and he never came back, but I said, you know, John, I said, you have to be what you want to attract. We can work on that. That was gone. Never heard from him again. And that is the problem I run into. I, I am like, it takes some inner reflection. It takes looking at something you might not like, but mm -hmm. within three weeks with, I can do the, tapes and we can do the hypnosis and I'm, I'm bound by HIPAA laws. So I send people things to sign. I, I would be cast out if I mentioned, I don't say a word. I don't even write people's real names down on my card file. So, mm. you know, if there's that fear of letting me know, but some people it's just, I can't even get people to listen to those tapes sometimes. But when they listen to my MP3s and the, as you know, all mm. of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I just don't do that anymore. It gets, it's just, think of it like when your kids are coloring and you and your wife are talking, they hear everything you're saying. You know how Aunt Martha comes over and she says, daddy says you're fat. You know, <laughs> you were like, you weren't supposed to even be, you, you absorb everything that's going in from the moment you're born, everything you hear, see, feel, taste is recorded in there. Something stronger than other if they're repeated. So that's mm -hmm. why it's not gonna be an instant fix, but I, I just wish more people would take advantage because you can see yourself how life changes. Even if it's just you're mm -hmm. substituting that ice cream for a glass of water and you feel great that you did it. Yeah. And that's, so that's one, that's one of the things you gave me. Well, before we even get to that, I want, I do want to hit on that. Uh, with the self-help, the self-talk, uh, I did listen to that the first time in pre preparation for our first thing. I think that's one reason why I got a very great reaction from it because I was already hearing that message. These last two times I didn't, uh, I got lazy. I didn't listen to them. How important 
are those tapes, um, you know, in, in hearing those messages, um, you know, is it is it only important for someone that's really struggling with something? Because I kind of felt like this last time, uh, you know, I didn't really need it, um, you know, and I still felt like I got a lot from the hypnosis. But is it does it just make the hypnosis that much more effective? Yes. And I mean, I hate to say that because I'd love to just have people come to me for 20 minutes, do hypnosis. But in my experience, okay, I'm speaking for me, maybe another hypnotist would feel different. But since I started out in self-talk and became a self-talk trainer and understand neuroplasticity, I started out with that. So understanding neuroplasticity and how your brain gets rewired it's repetition. And I tell people, if you came to me to learn Spanish, you'd be listening to this stuff over. You're coming to me to learn success, whatever mm. that means to you. You got to hear this over and over. And think about this. I'm 62. I, uh, okay, I'm going to go up until I was like 50 because then I started learning this stuff. So for 50 years, I took with me my dad saying, he called me liver lips growing up because I my lips grew first before the rest of my body. <laughs> and I grew liver lips, big nose, this teasing. Mm -hmm. But I believe it, even if I laughed and had fun, when I take a picture, even now, I freeze. So you're talking or, you know, you have some people who are really abused. You know, you're stupid. You're an idiot. Kids in school tease you. Your brother was smarter than your sister was the pretty one. You're talking, however old you are, 50 years of those programs being wired in in a hundred thousand different ways, three weeks listening to a tape. Okay. So I, and you have to understand too, for people who don't know brain science, the pathways are like this in your head. They're just one. So I'll give them a smoking client of mine. We got one, a pack to a pack and a half a day for 25 years. I did one session. She got down to three cigarettes a day. Wow. She could not stop those three cigarettes. And I went in to talk to her. She says, my best times in my life were when I was married, my husband and I used to wake up in the morning, we'd make love, I'd have a cigarette. It's such a great memory. He's gone now. But anyway, and then she said, another thing we used to do is we'd sit outside with a big screen TV through the window and we'd watch movies in the summer and we'd have a cigarette. Those were two triggers that I didn't hit in the other. So your brain is so connected. You could be driving down a mountain road in Colorado where something happened on a family vacation and make you want to go back to the deli and get a piece of strudel, you know, because it triggers that. So I think it's important because we have so much for so many years going into our head. I think listening to self-talk for five minutes a day to help pave over that with new, beautiful, uh, it's not too much to ask for your life. Yeah. When, when, when you're shaving, put it on. You're in the bathroom shaving, brushing your teeth. Put this up, my little MP3, nine minutes long. Mm -hmm. You're driving in the car. I mean, what are you gonna listen to? COVID surging, this and listen to something that gets you for 15 minutes, get you down the road and then move on. 
And I mean, you know, you're reprogramming, you're re you're hitting all those synapses without even realizing it. So I think it's vitally important. And I know I haven't told you, but I have the program for kids too. People put it on just when their kids are coloring, playing with Legos, whatever kid kids do nowadays. <laughs> and they notice a huge difference within a month. That's cool. And that's what I was thinking too, because that first week I was doing them, I would have it on in the kitchen and I knew my son was in another room and that he was probably hearing it too. I was like, oh, this is awesome for both of us. Uh, it is. And I mean, I even had a woman who came to me, they were on the verge of divorce. She needed self-esteem. I did MP3s for her. She was listening to them. Her husband was hearing them too. They are not getting a divorce now. I mean, that's a dramatic example, but mm -hmm. I gave her one on self-esteem and relationships. And since his anger issues were self-esteem too, as his self-esteem got a little better, he started treating her a little better and he didn't even realize he was listening to it. That's a dramatic one. Mm -hmm. That's a one, you know, that doesn't always happen, but that's how powerful listening to these messages over and over are. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one of, so the, the, the big thing I got from our first session was, um, and the, this is what I hear when I'm late at night, when I usually would have my cravings to go get something is uh, that I enjoy making good decisions. So I'm choosing, you know, a glass of cold water. That's my that's my reward instead of this bag of popcorn or ice cream or whatever it is. And I just it feels good. It feels natural. It feels like a real voice now. Like, no, I, I enjoy making good decisions and I'll, I'll say it to myself and then it'll just be another you know, it just feels like I'm strengthening that pathway. It's like, okay, it is, this is part and it of me. is another voice, Mark. It's not, it's not like you're thinking of it. You're thinking of it because it's now wired in. It's just like if you, you know, just like when some, when somebody is a racist or something, it's wired in. So they'll look at somebody they don't like. They immediately think it's not because they listen to tapes. It's because it's wired in, and that's how they think now you're saying that because it's it's real for you it's just as real if you learn donde style banyo you know mm -hmm. where's the bathroom now you're not like oh it put it in there and now i'm hearing that it's there now mm -hmm. you know and and that that is that's what rewiring is a different cool. voice comes in your head to do a positive action and i imagine like even this morning, I thought of another area that would be good to work on. Like, I, I believe, like, if I really thought about it, there would probably be several different areas that would be good to do hypnosis on. Like right Absolutely. now, so we, we hit the, the eating one and that that's done well. I believe last week we were working on overall self-esteem because one of my big issues has been always the negative voice of calling myself a dumb shit. I'm an idiot. Like that's the belief I've had for a very long time. And I've repeated to myself so many times. So it's really been ingrained. Um, now it's not feeling as real. Uh, I was just thinking about that. Like that doesn't, I don't feel that way. And I, I was on a podcast yesterday with a guy in Germany and he had heard one of my earlier podcasts. And then just from us talking, he's like, man, he's like, you sound so different. He's like, your confidence, your, your everything. He's like, he's like, I could tell you're just in another, you know, on another level. And that's kind of how I'm feeling. So I think, I think it's helping with that. Uh, today we did uh, language learning because I feel like I haven't been learning as quickly as possible. Again, I think it's all tied into that self-esteem and just doubting myself. Uh, so I, I think it's super cool uh, that we're doing that. And uh, 
the one I was thinking about this morning is just how to better express myself um, with emotions. Uh, and I've, I've gotten much better at that. Um, but even with my family or with my wife, you know, you know, expressing my, I've been good at doing it uh, written. I've always been able to write my emotions okay. out and explain myself like that, but I don't really express myself, uh, you know, verbally. That's not something that happened in my family. Uh, so that's something I think that'd be cool to just work on and just give myself, you know, another good message, another, another way of thinking about it and, and, and approaching it. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, like we always do, we talk between sessions and I get a mm -hmm. real clear, that's another thing. Hypnosis can be really generic. You know, you can go and we all know a stop smoking's little speech. We all know a wait. I don't do that. I will take, I, I studied how to also write and do hypnosis talks. So I like to really know what it means to you because mm -hmm. it's not the same to everyone. Like I had a non-smoker who wanted to quit because she got COVID and she's been a long hauler. And they said, if you don't quit smoking, you're going to have another stroke or a heart attack. It's just, you've got to. So that was her. I had somebody come because they were embarrassed because their um, cockatiel or parrot developed a smoker's cough mimicking oh. her in the morning. And she was an older lady and she was starting to date again. And men would come over and the bird would be like, huh, huh, you know, and she was humiliated. So it was a different reason for her. So hmm. I try to really, without pretending to be a therapist, I try to understand what your issues mean to you mm -hmm. so that I go in there and it's not just a random, oh, I should do better. You know, oh, I should quit smoking. It's like I touch on a lot of points and, you know, all these issues do dovetail, but I try to do it in as few sessions as possible. I try to hit multiple areas and then talk mm. to you and see what we missed, what's still triggering you, and then go in again. Because like I say, we are, I mean, we're paving over old roads. <laughs> we mm -hmm. really are. And they're tangled up. Think of a freeway system. That's all, you know, the roundabout. And so um, that's another important thing. But yeah, you know, the self, the repetition is, just what it's all about. It's just learning the language of success. Mm -hmm. Awesome. No, that, that, that is super cool. Um, now, if someone wanted to contact you to work with you, do you have a website or how should they get hold of you? I do have a website. It's lifecrafthypnosis.com. I think it actually might even be Lifecraft Hypnosis EFT because okay. I think, yeah, because uh, Lifecraft Hypnosis wasn't available. And I also practice emotional freedom technique, which is tapping. So okay. that's really good. And I can show you that in one of our sessions too, because just sometimes when something you get a little agitated. If you do the tapping, it can be very private, just tapping your collarbone, your hand after you get it. And it stops those impulses and you can slow down for a couple of like in your communication. Mm -hmm. If you, I'm not saying you do, but like if you tend to blow up and you want to stop doing that, you can do a little tapping, come down, gather and go. And it's a real effective tool for stress and management. You know, I've taught a lot of people who are starting to fly again and very anxious. They tap while they're in the airport. Nobody knows what they're doing. And it really um, eases the anxiety a lot. 
Now, who would be an ideal patient? Who do you think will uh, take to hypnosis the most? It, I mean, because you mentioned, you? Something, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you meant you mentioned to me that you know sometimes uh, adult parents want to you know purchase it for their kids or something like that. But you said you know it may not be that effective because the kid may not really want it. Well, that much. It, it that's an age thing because children are used to their parents paying for things at a certain age. If mm -hmm. someone comes to me, but I have to make sure the kid has a good imagination and it and is okay with it and will play along. And mm -hmm. as that gets older, it's a little tougher. But mo children are the easiest because they already imagine all day long and they believe whatever they believe and you know they're not as hard but if someone's older or an adult and there's a problem like let's say you have a friend and he's got a wife that is just on a tear and he says i want to send her to hypnosis she's not that into it and he's going to pay for it i would probably decline to do it because she's got no dog in the mm -hmm. show you know what i mean she's got there's nothing for her to try there's nothing there's nothing for her to it's about belief. And I mm -hmm. hate to say that that sounds, but your mind is so powerful. You know, probably as being an athlete, if you visualize a perfect tennis stroke or golf stroke, your mind doesn't know the difference. Mm -hmm. It thinks it's your, so hypnosis is that. And I mean, Tiger Woods does hypnosis. Uh, you know, Jack Nicholson did hypnosis because you wanna, it makes you focused. And you get rid, and so um, the absolute best client, someone like yourself, someone who's open to it, someone mm -hmm. who has an imagination and can go along with this, you know, go along with the, the when I'm talking. If I ask you to walk along a beautiful mountainside and picture, you can do it. We have other ways to get to people who can't visualize, but you asked me about my ideal. Um, somebody who is willing to try is ready to change. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I can do just about anybody with a brain and a problem, <laughs> you know, but you have to, again, want to do it. And mm -hmm. if you want, like you wanted to do it and it was just, I mean, what was the wait one time for you? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's amazing. I mean, sometimes in the beginning when I did it, I would do somebody and it would work and I'd even be surprised. I'd be like, wow. <laughs> and now I know, but you know, it, it's so miraculous, even though it's not magic, the brain is so powerful. So I don't do children under five because they cannot pay attention. I don't usually do people over 80 because they won't pay attention. <laughs> but there's that's not always true. There's some geriatric clients that I have, but some people, they don't want to be bothered. And I cannot do someone with severe psychosis because their brain, the chemical imbalances does not allow. And then it's often somebody with an IQ under 70, you know, severe mental impairment. Mm. They can't grasp what's going on as well. Okay. And so those are my criteria. Everybody else, I mean, if they're open to it and willing, it's wonderful. Awesome. Well, I hope there are some listeners that are going to try this out. I couldn't recommend you enough. It's been awesome. Uh, I appreciate you coming on here and sharing the story. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week's session as well. Yay. And we'll talk before. So I get a room. And again, I don't think I answered. I talked over myself. So it's um, 
lifecrafthypnosiseft.com. Okay, awesome. I I will put that in the links down below along with the social media stuff. And so perfect. Well, thanks again for coming on. I Thank really you. Appreciate it. And yes, it's been just delightful working with you. It just gives wind underneath my wings when I see people having success. It's like if I didn't need to eat, I wouldn't charge for doing this. It's so wonderful when people get it. You know, it's like a gift. Well, super but cool. That, that, that is awesome. <laughs> here. I, I'm happy to help spread it because, uh, yeah, no, it, it is awesome. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So, okay. Well, thank you so much for having me on and taking time with me today. All right. Well, thank you. I hope you have a great day. Uh, for those of you that are sticking around and want to hear the short story, it's from 25 Perfect Days plus five more, uh, 22 Pine Avenue. Thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Later. Twenty two Pine Avenue, March sixth, twenty sixty seven. Nothing could be heard over the controller's civil defense sirens, but Captain Fuller kept on the hovercar's horn as he flew a hundred miles an hour along the shoulder of the stopped freeway, the floodwaters already reaching the windows of the abandoned vehicles. Citizens washing past the hovercar, the strong ones swimming, the weak or unlucky face down. Fuller yanked the microchip off his helmet to override the autopilot. He took the wheel, swooping the hovercar from side to side, narrowly avoiding the body sweeping by. The car reported, 8 miles to 22 Pine Avenue. An accident up ahead blocked most of the shoulder. A half-submerged van smashed by a jackknifed big rig. Fuller yanked the wheel, whipped right, took the hovercar up the retaining wall. The bottom scraped the van's roof and slammed down on the water, continued skimming over it at an almost uncontrollable speed. Johnson's voice came over his earpiece. What the hell are you doing? He sounded rattled. Johnson was never rattled. How bad? How bad is it? The crackle of static followed by silence. Fuller feared he'd lost the connection to headquarters. Then Johnson said, The 23rd District is gone. Same for most of the southern coast. Fuller kept his eyes locked on the roaring river that used to be a highway. If he crashed, Susan and Nick were as good as dead. How far along is the containment? They're on it, but running into problems. Is it blocked? Not yet. No one expected this. Fuller doubted that last part. The hovercar crunched over what Fuller hoped was an already dead body. A new voice came on the headset, Chief Tolbert. Get your ass back here now, Fuller. I cannot do that, sir. The aquarium's gone. The initial wave ripped it apart. Chief Tolbert had been standing there when Nick called saying he was going to the aquarium. Fuller saw the chief's face. Turn around and get back to HQ. There's nothing left. The car reported 22 Pine Avenue was only seven miles away. Nearly every non-hovercar on the freeway was completely submerged. Fuller swerved around the top of a moving van and into the middle of the water-filled freeway. He was now topping 110. I know they're alive. There are no reported survivors, Fuller. Tolbert's ragged breaths filled Fuller's headset. I'm sorry, but we need you here. 
Fuller maneuvered the car side to side to avoid the tops of taller vehicles, uprooted trees, and countless bodies. And I'll be there just as soon as I have my wife and kid. God damn it, the walls are almost up. If you do actually get in, you won't get out. Let the controllers handle this. If they're alive, the rescue squads will find Susan and Nick. I'm not waiting. I'm ordering you to turn around. The car said six miles before 22 Pine Avenue. Johnson came on the radio. That's not where the aquarium is. Get off the goddamn radio. Where is it then? My GPS visual is cutting out, but it keeps repeating this address. More static. Fuller prayed Johnson would respond. He kept driving, thought about pleading to the chief, but he knew that wouldn't get him what he needed. So he just sat there. Finally, Johnson came back on. A restaurant three blocks away from the aquarium. It's on a hill. They might be all right. Fuller was now racing at 120, no longer worried about the cars several feet below him. Their bodies were probably washed there, Tolbert said. You're going to get yourself killed. Susan hadn't answered a single call, but she'd activated both of their distress signals. Tolbert kept yelling, and Fuller threw his earpiece and career out the window. Fuller banked right. Supercopters filled the sky, each dropping a mountain of dirt. Land movers the size of warehouses piled the payloads into a new wall. Corpses spilled over the top of the moving mountain, rolled down the sides. Fuller dropped the throttle. He had no idea where the incline would send him, but he knew he had to hit it. Fast. Three seconds before the hover car hit the moving mountainside, Fuller realized some of the bodies weren't dead. He saw their eyes as they tumbled down. Fuller closed his eyes and braced for the impact, but he knew without autopilot, he'd just drive straight through. His eyes popped open. Straight ahead of him was a woman with three children, huddled on their knees. To his right was a five-story building, two feet from the wall. He'd never make it through. The girl screamed as the hover car flew at her, stopped when it struck her stomach, and slammed her head against the hood before sucking her under. The car hit the top of the mound at too strong an angle and flew over the tangle of cars, the people crawling over each other, trying to escape. The hover car was forty feet above the water, then twenty, then slammed down so hard Fuller bounced up and his right kneecap crunched into the dash. He'd never broken a bone before, but he knew it was shattered. He flipped back to autopilot, hoped HQ didn't have him in the range on the other side of the mountain. His speed dropped in half, and he tried adjusting the GPS picture, but it was nothing but flickering roads and coordinates. Destruction in every direction. Single-story buildings were nothing more than rooftops, cement lily pads. The high-rises remained. The hover car passed over a sea of bodies, floating toward the land movers. Suddenly, the GPS video came through. Susan and Nick's chips were still blinking at 22 Pine Avenue, a mile away. Fuller took control of the wheel and hovered in between two towering steel buildings. The car announced the address again. Fuller was getting close, but he didn't see the hill, only a handful of tall buildings, 
the crumbled remains of the giant tide wall and never-ending waters pouring over it. Fuller dropped his speed again, the car telling him he was .5 miles away, then .2. There was only one building left on Pine Avenue. Fuller shut off the thrusters and hovered. He didn't know what he expected to find. Maybe Susan and Nick sitting on the roof, waving him over to pick them up. There wasn't much left of the second floor, the water devouring it inch by inch. The monitor said this was it. He stuck his head out the window and looked down. A car blocked the front door. One of the building's windows was open. Someone was inside. A woman. The car kept announcing that he was at 22 Pine. Fuller squinted, saw the woman's face drifting back and forth under the rippling water. When he saw those lips, even the shrilling sirens went silent. Fuller slammed his fish on the dash. Always late, that's what Susan used to say. The monitor kept announcing 22 Pine Avenue, again and again. A small blinking light appeared. Nick's chip was still at this address, still in the building, alive. Water was nearly to the roof. Fuller slipped on his goggles and snapped off the air jets, took a deep breath, and threw himself out the door. The weight of his uniform and utility belt dropped Fuller past the marble columns. His shattered knee cracked into the car, pressed against the building's front door. He couldn't see through the bubbles, so he blindly reached out, his head throbbing from the lack of air. His hand hit flesh. The door was only open a foot, filled from top to bottom with arms and legs. Fuller pulled one arm, then another. Nothing happened. Then he pushed the body at the top of the door and felt it give. One more push, and the man floated backward, leaving a space just large enough for Fuller to swim through. About to pass out, he clipped his utility belt and pushed off the pile of bodies, his arms flailing for the lights above. He hadn't taken a deep enough breath. The light began to fade. A hand grabbed Fuller's collar and yanked him out of the water. Fuller opened his eyes, the ceiling only three feet from his face. He was on a long wooden platform, the water just inches from its edge. Fuller stared at the twenty-something black man. Thank you. Yeah, sure, the man said. I'm Shane. I don't know his name. Nick lay against the wall on another platform, eyes open, chest rising. But Nick just kept staring at the ceiling, at nothing. Shane said, His mom tried to get us out through the window. She didn't make it. Fuller nodded. Yeah, I saw. He dragged himself toward his son. Nick, hey, are you hurt? Man, this shit's rising fast. The water was lapping at the edge of the platform. In five minutes, it reached the ceiling. Fuller tried to get closer to Nick, but the pain paralyzed him. He looked down, saw bones sticking out through his pant leg. Oh, fuck, Shane said. His face winced up like he was about to puke. Fuller kept his voice calm. You know this building? What? Do you know this building? 
Shane nodded. Yeah, I'm a busboy. Any way out besides the front door? Any roof access? The kid was scared, about to freak out. No, man. How good of a swimmer are you? Shane looked at the rising water. The door's blocked. I already tried. It's not. Not all the way. I made it through. Can you help my son make it? I don't know. Fuller pointed at Nick. Well, I need your help. Can you do that? Shane looked at the water, then over at Nick. All right. Help me get him in the water. Fuller helped lift his son's head. Come on, Nick, you have to help too. Fuller snapped in front of Nick's eyes. Hey! Nick's eyes fluttered open. Shane pulled Nick's other arm around his neck. My hover car's just outside. Take it out of the district. Knowing they would be the last words he ever spoke, Fuller kissed Nick's forehead and whispered, I'll always love you. Before Nick could say anything, Fuller dropped into the water, tore through the bodies, and found the door. More bodies had piled into the opening. He yanked on a woman's arm, used his right foot for leverage against an old man's chest. Finally, he cleared a small space just as Shane and Nick came into view. Fuller's ears popped. His vision blurred as he felt the woman's arm yanking back. But she was dead. Fuller saw her leg was caught on the car. It was sliding down, threatening to seal the door for good. Fuller lodged his body into the opening, had to use his shattered knee. Shane swam through the opening, dragging Nick behind him. Something released inside of Fuller's chest, and a small hand brushed past his cheek, through his hair, disappeared into nothingness. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.